0: Dateline, 9th of January, 2023. And a very happy new year to all of our listeners and welcome to the Australia Desk for the first report of hopefully a few more than recent years, Grant,
1: for 2023. How are you doing, mate? (laughs) Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Um, Yes, I've been loading uh, AusDesk episodes into our website where we collate them all. And um, yeah, it's quite clear to see the slowdown in the last few years. So we'll see if we can't rectify that. This year, he says, knowing that it won't happen. But, hey, we'll put it out there. Oh, yes. It's a New Year's resolution. Yes. Well, <laughs> well, we had to take a little break.
0: We just thought, you know, six years would be enough. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you could be right
1: there. <laughs> Recharge. Hey, it's, it's ho- hopefully going to work for Daniel Ricciardo. He's taking a year off racing to be the number three driver for Red Bull. Yay! Well, there you go. So, there we'll go. see. Does
0: he own a helicopter or anything? I know plenty of them do.
1: Hmm. We'll have to find out.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of helicopters, of course, Grant, uh, now it's made worldwide news. And of course, there's been a a tragic uh, incident at the Gold Coast up in Queensland uh, just last week on the 3rd of January with two um, Eurocopter EC-130s coming to grief with the loss of uh, four lives and several other people left in hospital. A tragic incident. One helicopter was taking off. The other one was coming inbounds. One has come up underneath the other. They have collided. Um, what we do know at the moment is that the helicopter that was taking off uh, lost its main rotor and its uh, transmission, the whole works, and it unfortunately um, went straight down into uh, what turned out to be a sandbar just off the beach. The other helicopter, fortunately, despite losing all of the uh, glass around its uh, the front of its canopy, was able to make an emergency landing. Several people there taken to hospital, a number of those still in critical condition, uh, Grant, what do we know about that one so far? We know that the Australian Transport Safety Bureau is obviously investigating that, and it will take a while for those findings to come out. Uh, we don't want to speculate too much, of course, but we just want to cover it, uh, at least in some small detail here.
1: Yeah, look, it's it's pretty tragic, this one. There's lots of speculation running, and there's one of the things that has been mentioned is the frequency of flights. And it's a high-churn operation, so maybe they need to reassess how they're going to uh, bring aircraft in and out. If you look at some of the um, animations they've displayed from above, uh, you can see one climbing out and the other on descent. But the one on descent was going right across the departure path, which seems very odd. So... There's lots to look into, procedures, processes, Were they were being followed, are the procedures correct if they were being followed, all those kind of things. This is why a few more months, we'll probably get more of an initial report, but it'll be probably next year before, middle of next year before we hear anything detailed about it.
0: I was watching an interesting, uh, there's a very good uh, analytical uh, channel called the Bronco channel. Uh, it is on uh, YouTube. It's a, a gentleman there who has quite some experience in investigations, it seems. Um, one of the interesting things uh, he was talking about on this video that I was watching last night where he was doing a bit of analysis on what he'd seen is that the EC-130 helicopter, the pilot flies in the left seat, which uh, for those of you who are familiar with uh, most rotary wing aircraft, they fly from the right seat. And apparently these helicopters have not been in the fleet for all that long. So, I mean, I guess it goes without saying it's a it's a, a situation of degraded situational awareness. And, and I'm sure that the ATSB will be looking very much at that angle of it and, trying to work out how that might have come about. But I just wonder if that may have played a role in it. That's that's something that will be interesting to see. Would that pilot have been able to have a better view had he been in one of the older aircraft that they were operating? We believe they might have been operating uh, jet ranges prior to this, where he would have been in the right seat and perhaps, who knows, we don't know, but perhaps he may have had better view of the departing helicopter that was coming up underneath him. But, um, yeah, very tragic. Our hearts go out to everybody involved in that situation and we hope at least... Now, once the investigation reaches its conclusion, which could be a year or two away, we just need as an industry to be able to learn from this and what can we do to make sure that something like this just doesn't happen again? Yep. And that can be frequency of
1: departures. Also of interest, the the helicopter descending, the ascending helicopter was on their left, Uh, If you look at a video that was shot inside the cabin of the uh, descending helicopter, uh, you can actually see one of the passengers reaching forward to tap the pilot's shoulder to say, oi, look at this, because they saw the helicopter coming up. And before they tapped the shoulder, the pilot was looking more to the right than to the left. So
0: it'll be interesting to see what that comes from. Yeah, and I've seen some people speculate saying, well, perhaps uh, the pilot was distracted by the passenger tapping him on the shoulder I don't know about that. I'd say if mm. you look at that video and it's it's awful viewing to watch, I would urge caution watching it, but I don't think that really played a factor. I think by the time everybody in that cabin became aware of it, it was uh, it was too late to take any, yeah, definitely any too evasive late. action. Definitely but too late. certainly any view from the ground that you look at, um, there was no evasive action taken on the part of either aircraft. So both pilots mm. um, didn't have any awareness that the other one was in that particular Space at the time. I mean, that's that much is obvious. So, why that happened and how that came to happen well, that's what the investigation will show up. So we'll we'll wait for that. Correct. We'll wait for that. Correct.
1: Okay, great. We'll wait and see what comes through. Yeah.
0: Okay, mate, let's move on to airlines. Now, of course, most of the time in this segment, uh, Grant and I usually only talk about Virgin Australia or Qantas because, <laughs> well, in our part of the world, and I think you know, people sometimes don't realise Australia is almost the same size as the continental US, but we only have the population of Los Angeles here about, I don't know, 25, <laughs> 26 million. So we only have two major airlines, of course, being Qantas and Virgin. But There are, from time to time, new players coming into the market. Now, I should point out that most of the new players that come in, Grant, uh, we were listing them the other day and we were talking. I could think of Compass, (laughs) Mark 1 and 2, Strategic, Air Australia, JetGo. Can you think of any
1: others? (laughs) Uh, well, Tiger got taken out by the, um, the COVID shutdowns. Uh, Jetstar is still with us. Uh, so that's the third. Don't forget the third. It's part of the Qantas no, much group. Much to or, your chagrin, like, my
0: friend. I know.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Qantas is part of the Jetstar group, remember? Uh, yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently.
0: Well, of course, there's a new player, and we touched on this uh, uh, towards the end of last year, and it's called Bonza Air now. <laughs> <laughs> I cringe at that name, honestly. But honestly, um, they are actually playing it up. Uh, for those American listeners or people that don't live in Australia, Bonza is quite of a – it's a jingo team, isn't it, Grant? It's like, Bonza, you beauty, she'll be right, mate, all that sort of stuff. Oh, ripper, mate, ripper. <laughs> and most of us would look at that and go, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they're calling it that. But they're actually – their marketing strategy is actually playing on that. Mm. They are very much going into the low-cost market. That's what they're looking. And they've got some interesting strategies, haven't they, Grant, where they're looking at going to destinations – Not really serviced by the major airlines, tourist destinations in the main, and that at least is a different strategy from what we have seen from other players in the market who've come in and tried to take on the big airlines here on the major routes, and Mm -hmm. almost without exception. Actually, I would point out at the moment that Rex seems to be doing quite well with their small fleet of 737s operating on the major routes, but this is an interesting strategy.
1: Yeah. Interesting. You mentioned Rex, they're usually associated with Saab 340s flying regional flights and uh, towards the end of all the lockdowns and everything, they decided to grab some former Virgin 737s and uh, put them on the Golden Triangle, um, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne. And uh, they seem to be doing reasonably well. They're holding their own. But yeah, as you said, Bonza, as we said last time in the previous desk that was a while ago last year, uh, they are going for the uh, escape from the south to get to the warmth of the uh, northern Sunshine Coast and Queensland and things like that. So lots of flights from places like Avalon, Mildura, Melbourne, etc., up to the um, Sunshine Coast. Coast and Mackay and further north. So the biggest problem that's been happening is they've been trying to get their AOC for well over a year. I think it's almost 18 months now, mm. which is really a long time. Their CEO has gone out there and said he's going to be charging around $50 per flight hour per seat is what the passengers likely to expect to pay. So two hour flight, 100 bucks, one hour flight, 50 bucks. It's interesting to see how well they're going to be able to maintain that. They say they're sticking to it, but the fuel prices have been going through the roof. So they have, as part of getting your AOC, you have to demonstrate that you're a viable operational carrier, that you will make money, that you're not going to go under. So that's part of the paperwork they're supplying. And we've heard a rumor, which is that their AOC is to be released if it wasn't already last week. Now it's a rumor. It could be like one of those things where, yeah, there's just one last signature. Ten years later, we're still waiting for that one last signature. But, <laughs> That's very yeah, true, mate. we we'll have been uh,
0: We've been making reaching out to some contacts that we've got in the industry. Um, one of them actually tipped me off just a couple of days ago as we record this, and this would have been over the, the, the previous weekend before this episode goes to air, that um, he'd heard uh, pretty strongly that the AOC had been uh, issued to this airline. They're still playing pretty coy with it, Grant. You've been in contact with their media people, and uh, they were actually kind enough to give us a statement.
1: Yeah, they certainly have, mate. And uh, the statement is from Tim Jordan, CEO of Bonza, and it's: "We remain focused on the final stages of the regulatory process and look forward to sharing an update as soon as it's right to do so."
0: <laughs> well, there you go. So, playing a pretty straight bet there, as the saying goes. But uh, yeah, that's 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 interesting. I mean, I, I look. Let's face it, if you go back and uh, probably the media people at Bonza will be going back now thinking, who are these guys? And if they heard our last report (laughs) (laughs) at australiadex.net, by the way, if you want to have a listen, um, we were just like, well, I know I was, Grant, it's like, oh, my goodness, really, Bonza Airlines? You must be joking. What a silly name, but... um, that's not to say that we don't wish them well. I mean, you know, it's providing um, you know more competition in the market. It's providing employment in the market, which is very much needed. And uh, you know, we wish them every success. But we are going to take we are going to take the fun wherever we can because that's us. That's us. I mean, you know, hey, if they want to bring us along for the launch flight, we wouldn't say no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tell
0: him he's dreaming. Yeah. At the moment, they've got three aircraft in country seven, three seven max eights. They're flying around. They have a target to uh, eventually bring in eight. Now we don't. Know Know if they'll do that they actually had four on the register one of those has now been taken off the register again and is currently being stored uh we believe in uh, tucson in arizona somewhere so uh, at the moment i think the focus quite obviously for bonzer is to first get that aoc start ramping up operations they're going to have to make uh, a lot of money you mentioned three aircraft well back in august when we
1: did our last OzDesk, i yeah, know it's been a while um uh, we were saying they were doing a competition to name their aircraft. Well, the competition's in and the plane names are Sheila, Baza and Shazza. Uh So sticking to the Bogan, they are, as you said, they're really working the Bogan view. Um, So those are classic Aussie, Bogan names, to be blunt. (laughs) It's awesome. This is great. It certainly is. I mean, you
0: know, we can can cringe at it like I was doing last time, or we could relax, which is something I don't do enough, Grant. Just ask anybody, but uh, we could just relax and have a bit of fun with it. We do wish them well. Um, We'll provide an update on Bonza Airline as soon as it comes. Of course, if you want to book a ticket with them, um, you can't do it through travel agents. They are going to do it all via their app which is another interesting way of doing things. I'll be very interested to see how that strategy goes.
1: And if you want to find out more about Bonza, you can go to flybonza, that's F-L-Y-B-O-N-Z-A dot com. And, you know, I said that in American. You sure did. You know, Grant, you are always the linguist of our operation. Always the linguist. (laughs) Uh, Is this where we get to drop the line about being cunning?
0: (laughs) No, Grant. That's why. No, Grant, I don't think we'll be dropping that line. What we will do is to remind you, folks, is if you'd like to go back and have a listen, if you're new to the show and you wonder what this segment with these strange accents is all about, um, all the archives, or many of them anyway, are at australiadesk.net. We've actually just upgraded that website and... um, doing uh, a few little other bits and pieces in the background that we're not quite ready to talk about yet, but we'll do so in the meantime. It is an Avalon year this year too, in 2023, the Australian International Air Show. Um, If you want to uh, have a listen to what's going on there, you can have a listen to another podcast that we produce, which is the Australian Defence Magazine podcast. Grant's uh, last edition of that, I think it was the last one anyway, where he talks to Justin Giddings, who's the new boss of the Avalon Air Show. And uh, he talks about uh, some of the plans they've got coming. And uh, it sounds like it's actually going to be a really, really great air show after a couple of uh, COVID-interrupted years. So we're really looking forward to that. That's
1: right, mate. It was uh, very heartbreaking to miss last year's one, which was supposed to be the RAF centenary. But hey, you know, let's see what the guys can do for this one. And uh, yeah, that was actually uh, episode 36. So not the most recent one in the feed. But if you go to uh, your podcatcher and look for ADM podcast, and you'll hear my dulcet tones throughout that entire show.
0: Fantastic. Okay, that's everything we have for you on this week's Australia Desk. Once again, we wish everybody a safe, prosperous, and let's hope a stress-free New Year. Until next time we talk to you, I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks.